0: positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the positive head podcast, where we are firmly convinced that creating success and happiness is rooted in understanding the ultimate nature of reality. And the fact that as human beings, we are all immensely powerful fractals of the one and only source consciousness, which creates and animates all things. Now, of course, understanding this powerful truth is one thing. Applying this incredibly empowering wisdom to everyday life, well, that's another. Which is exactly why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week. To help constantly remind you of what matters most, you are it and I'm your host for the day, Erica Middlemas. I am just another reflection and extension of you who will be here filling in for our beloved host, Brandon Beecham, leading the way to ensure your perspective is consistently expanded, your vibration is constantly elevated, and your heart is overflowing and full. Also, this episode of the Positive Head Podcast is being brought to you thanks to the support of Gaia. If you're not familiar... Gaia is the go-to source for streaming consciousness content online and you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at gaia.com forward slash positive head that's spelled dot acom forward slash positive head check it out All right, all you positive heads. Welcome back. Today is a beautiful magical Monday, and I'm hoping you're feeling the magic of the day. It's always a magical Monday, isn't it? Even though Mondays can be tough, going back to work, if we're working full time, it's a it's not an easy day, but we remember how magical it is, and we get to go to work. and we are lucky, lucky to be here keep our thoughts focused on love, then there's the magic and we see it all around us. So today on this magical day, I decided that I wanted to continue reading Return of the Bird Tribes by Ken Carey. I had originally started reading the first couple chapters back in episode three, whoops, I'm sorry, 631, a little dyslexic with my numbers there. Um, And so I thought I'd continue reading the next couple chapters because this is such an amazing book and definitely one of our favorites here. But before I get into that, I'd like to read a review. And as all of you know, these reviews really help new listeners to find us. And they also fuel Brandon's fire to continue his labor of love on a daily basis, which is not the easiest thing, especially when you're working full time. So he needs a big... A big round of applause and uh, a lot of love sent his way because he's doing this for all of us and and himself. Um, we're all together in this, so um, if you haven't left a review, please do so. It really helps others find us. And um, today's review is by Sweet Simplicity Eleven, and the title of her review is "The Best Podcast: Life Changing." This podcast is incredible. The positivity that Brandon spends spreads daily is so beautiful and contagious. I've been listening to this podcast about six months ago after my depression began taking over my life and this podcast completely changed my life and helped me to be more positive. Things don't happen to you. They happen for you. This quote has helped me to make sense of and be at peace with everything that has happened in my life. I listen to this podcast every morning on my way to work and look forward to the beautiful wisdom and stories you share, whether it's going back and listening to an episode I've already listened to or listening to a brand new episode. This podcast never disappoints. Thank you, Brandon, for speeding so much love, light and positivity into so many lives every day. Oh, thank you, sweet simplicity. That was beautiful. I'm really glad to hear that it's helping with your depression, which I know a lot of people suffer with, especially being bombarded with all of the things we're bombarded with every day. Life can get really hard and it's easy to let our, our minds kind of get on that, that wheel of, of sadness. And so tuning into this podcast and, and other positive things that you can do on a daily basis can really, really help there. And I'm so glad to hear that it helped you. So thank you for writing in. We appreciate you so much. So let's get right into this beautiful book. Today I'm reading chapter three and it happens to begin on page 33. I like the three threes there. Trinity is very powerful. It's called Civilizations. After the rebellion, there remained still a few human tribes who refused to participate in the rejection of their stellar spirits. In the sand around our council fires, we would depict each of our faithful tribes as a small circle. Around these, keepers of the light circles would then draw one great circle to represent the great spirit who included us all. We knew ourselves as the Ongi ong We hong which means the people true to reality. Due to our attunement to the original instructions of the Creator, and due as well to the energy amplification that we experience through agreement among ourselves, earthly power was still very much in our hands. But some things cannot be coerced, and love for the truth is one of them. The cooperation of the egos had to be voluntary, or the human design would not work. Though we had the power to do so, eliminating the warrior tribes in some great battle, and thereby driving them from the earth, was not something we considered. Incarnate or disincarnate, the warrior tribes remained a part of us. Incarnate or disincarnate, they would continue to disrupt the emotional atmosphere of the collective consciousness that, with them, we shared. The physical level was the level on which the warrior peoples had fallen, it was the only level on which they could be made whole. Incarnate lives were required to teach them the folly of fear motivation. Nothing but earth experience could bring them to a time when a core of them would again turn their hearts to God. Their passionate spirits remained essential ingredients in our future global species. We had to accommodate them. We gave them the land surrounding the sea that is today called the Mediterranean. Elsewhere, we maintained our presence. But the warrior tribes were aggressive. They multiplied rapidly. Our way was to teach through patience and example, not through warfare and confrontation. So as millennia passed and they took over more and more of what is today Asia, Africa, and Europe, we gradually withdrew. In the end, there were only two islands where we were able to maintain a consistent presence into historical times two islands, each an entire continent, wild, uncivilized, as refreshing to us as the abundant fresh water that flowed living through their heartlands and rained amply upon their lust vegetation. Over these two continents, we sustained a clear and protective vibrational field in which many tribes lived and prospered long after the rest of the human world had plunged into darkness and disorder." you of this present generation know little of what transpired in these lands there was no history no written record the people of the bird tribes came and went off the face of the americas without a single name being carved in stone not one stone head being raised in arrogance to look over the sea with not a single human bone left to note them in their mother's soil for they ascended these tribes and left no remains the Americas continents without turbulence few records few ruined cities of all the earth's lands we remained incarnate here the longest after the rebellion a certain amount of warrior energy had penetrated throughout all of the fields of thought and emotion that surrounded the earth but in the americas our continental auras filtered out the most turbulent of these influences on those rare occasions when excessive fear motivation did find its way into expression among our people, we would hold a meeting of the council. If the people were a danger to the sacred balance, they were asked to change their ways. If they refused, they were asked to leave. Those who left went willingly, they would not migrate back. They knew the decision of the council was fair and just, they knew that they had been that they had chosen behavior that was vibrationally incompatible with our continental emphasis. And so they would depart either by boat or by the great ice bridge to the North. Those who left America to settle other parts of the world knew why they were being banished. If they preserved birch bark or Buffalo hide records or maintained an oral tradition, their descendants knew that a time would come when they would be invited to return When what was broken would be made whole again. When what was lost would be found. When what was forgotten would again be remembered. Those of us who remained in America came and went peacefully, honoring our spirit selves, finding our balance with nature, living in harmony with the seasons and with each other. We were peace-loving tribes. We were not perfect, but we did not make a controversy out of every meal. We learned how to fill our needs in harmony with the earth and her creatures. We honored the land on which we lived. We saw the animals as our sisters and brothers. The thrust of our creative interests was biological. We created fruit and vegetable foods: potatoes, corn, beans, peanuts, squash, melons, sweet potatoes, pumpkin, yams of many shapes and sizes. We created new life forms to interpret sound and light in new ways, beautiful birds, intelligent creatures with whom we communed as fellow guests in the lodge of the Earth Mother. Our people knew the spirits of the plants and animals as equals and friends. There was still trial and error among us, fine-tuning here and there, but we had the opportunity then to fine-tune. Most of the human egos in the Americas remained true. Though the spirits of God were not fully incarnate in all, we were incarnate in many. We could keep the fear disease out of our islands as long as human populations remained small and collective human consciousness was not making itself felt on a planetary scale. However, the disease was part of our collective field of being and the human populations attuned to fear grew rapidly in the millennia following the rebellion. Their vibrational influence became stronger with each passing age. By about 2,500 years ago, humans had multiplied sufficiently to signal the distinct beginning of a global human consciousness. And, not surprisingly, the fearful influences were felt more often in our lands. Our continental aura was weakening. The seeds of discontent began to sprout. I was one of a small group, who took on the task of monitoring and growing influence of the warrior energy in the thought fields that surrounded the earth. When I saw the seeds of fear motivation begin to twist and warp the values of key Central and South American tribes, it verified what I had sensed. I knew the Europeans would soon be coming to the American shores. I knew that we were approaching the cycle of purification, and that soon, in less than two millennia, it would be a single human world. Our period of continental isolation was rapidly nearing an end. So I made a choice. I would go to the heart of the warrior stronghold. I would speak to them myself. My teachings would likely be rejected. I knew that. But I would leave, planted among them, the images and concepts that would soften and modify their pending invasion. I would attempt to give them some conception of the overall global picture to remind them of their own integrity, of why they were banished, and the kingdom to come. My challenge was to be in their world, but not of it, for I knew it too much, technically, to be in their world at all. I knew that it existed only in their imaginations, a creation entirely of their fears. So I did the only thing I could to truly reach them. I took my spirit and caused it to forget. That I might incarnate among them and grow up as a child in their culture, allowing my incarnate awareness to be tailored to their fiction, molded into a communication device that would speak their language. I slumbered with them and filtered my awareness through their dreams. I put on the clothing of their culture so that when I communicated, my teachings would not be regarded as foreign, but would be accepted as the indigenous wisdom of their own Judeo-Roman society. I taught them, when I awoke of the power of the living God, that it was ever available, that it was a power to which they could surrender all fear, a power that would infuse them, awaken them, and make them whole. I showed them it was not an abstract, mystical, or etheric power, but a practical, biological reality living within them, the power called life. I taught them that the life within and around them contained profound intelligence and design. I showed them how to contact this intelligence and how to allow life's designs, the kingdom of heaven, to emerge from within their own hearts. I taught them of the spirit beings, the angels, who have been wielding the creative power of life on earth for three and a half Billion years. I explained to them how blending with the Holy Spirit of these beings would transform and revolutionize their lives, but that they themselves had to invite spirit into their affairs. For without invitation, the bird tribes would not interfere with their freedom of will. In my life, my teaching, and my example, I made the point that human beings do not have to be controlled by their fears. That they could relax and surrender all of their fears to the fire that burns eternally in the sacred heart of God. That they could align themselves with eternal love, become one with the Creator, and live their lives in peace, in harmony, with each other and with the benevolent universe. There was something I cared about more than anything in the world. I longed to see the human beings incarnate in the warrior societies, forgiving one another loving one another, and looking at things through the eyes of their spirits, instead of exclusively remaining locked in the perception of their egos. I longed for them to come into an awareness of the magnificence around them, of the for- of their potential and forgotten joy. I called upon the highest good, and because I was aligned with the Creator's intentions when my statement was cut short, my prayer triggered a response from both heaven and earth." My call broke through to the highest levels of the spirit world. Others saw the potential that I had perceived, and, because it was a matter close to the heart of the Great Spirit, a context for healing, the most violent of the warrior tribes was, in that moment, conceived. Anytime a statement is cut short in the earth walk of one incarnate, and there is a longing to complete that statement, as there was in my case, it represents a bubble— A potential culture, like a yogurt culture or a yeast culture. This one happened to become a new sort of human culture, complete with the manifestation of every positive as well as every negative potentiality. Christian Civilization Something that invited each one to complete the life the crucifixion interrupted. Something that flew in the face of all odds something that took the fear-centered darkness of the Judeo-Roman world order and split it down the middle. There is an underside and an overside to what the unconscious centuries of Christian civilization have done. I know that well, for I and the other spirits of my light circle have monitored each of those centuries. Incarnate for days or moments in the lives of key figures here and there, inspiring the bards with songs of innocence and experience. We have guided those who were open to us, musicians, children, and leaders when we could. Our historical behind-the-scenes presence has been obscured from human vision because historical people have no vision. They turn their perception over to others. They refuse to give credibility to any experience not easily put into words. They believe that if their native language does not have terms for it, if people do not speak of it, It must not exist. In effect, they let others do their seeing for them. They give away their power. They become unwitting prisoners of an unpopular, language-centered fiction. They do not often notice even a single angel, much less an entire species of spiritual guardians, though we are ever present behind the stage props of their preoccupations. People paying more attention to what other people tell them than their own perception is the beginning of civilization. It is the beginning of a twisting, warping influence that ultimately produces a shift in in human orientation from the internal guidance of the Great Spirit to external dominance by others. Civilization does not occur among healthy people. In healthy, non-historical societies, people are not overly concerned with other people's fantasies. They are certainly not manipulated through externally imposed descriptions of reality. In America, civilization was a step backwards. However, for the warrior tribes, civilization was a step in the right direction. The domestication of animals and the growing of grains necessitated the development of values other than the values of the predatory hunt or annual raid on the neighboring village. So to the warrior races, we taught certain arts. The civilizations were initiated in Japan, India, China, and elsewhere, provided us with educational contexts in which we could induce values, introduce values that warrior societies would never develop outside such contexts. Since their tightly woven linguistic preconceptions made it virtually impossible for us to communicate directly with the individual members of the warrior societies, we did the next best thing. We communicated, slowly but surely, through the guiding and long-term development of their collective values. We have been working with this slow but relatively certain form of angelic human communication for many long millennia, before we sense the time to introduce the more specific teachings that could only come from one of us who had actually incarnated among them. The ideas introduced at the beginning of the Christian era, though initially rejected, nevertheless lingered on in Western consciousness. Like Ivy working gently but firmly on stone walls, they have gradually taken hold and upset many of the traditional assumptions of the warrior state. By intensifying every creature as well as every destructive human influence, these ideas were directly responsible for the highly stressed social context that gave birth to the Industrial Revolution. Although it has wreaked havoc with earth ecologies, the Industrial Revolution has been both valuable and necessary. When humankind is healed and we are able to work freely through our species there is no ecological damage that will not, even before a few centuries, be entirely undone. It is easier to flush toxins from the earth's river valleys than to remove the toxic ideas that cause them from human minds. In the order of healing, it is human consciousness that first must change. The most significant effect of the industrial era is that it has birthed the information age and brought us into communication with your race on a scale far beyond what otherwise would have emerged. The Industrial Revolution drew the inherent contradictions of the fearful state into high visibility. At a time when the intelligence level among human beings has risen to unprecedented heights, almost to the very threshold of awakening, global telecommunication. Communication systems now keep human attention focused upon the problems that result from fear-centered ways of thinking. It will keep your attention focused on these problems until you solve them through the only act that can, a total departure from the entire warrior paradigm. This departure from the old ways of history has begun. Many are now aware of us. Our consciousness flows daily through the word processors of a thousand creative thinkers. Our insights and perspectives are bubbling beneath the surface of dozens of new movies, hundreds of new books, and thousands of news articles and popular songs each year. Humankind is linked in a single socioeconomic community that now closely monitors all new and potentially relevant information. Your present global civilization is rooted upon premises of separation from God, As flawed as any civilization that came before, but it has dynamically accelerated our education of your race. It has increased human intelligence across the board. Hundreds of thousands of you are now about to understand something that 200 years ago we could only get through in bits and fragments to a few isolated individuals. Chapter 4 Survival, Cooperation, and New Beings. Just as distinct, little beings work together to produce each complete human cell. There are spirit beings designed to work in symbiotic cooperation with each human ego. There are many names for us. We have been called angels, bird tribes, higher selves, Huxitas, spirits of the stars. The reality of what we are is more than a name can convey. We are the multiple projections of the Eternal One. Spirits designed to blend with present-day humans. You now consider yourselves to be your egos, but egos are only one half of the human equation. The complete human is a spirit-slash-ego partnership. We are individualized aspects of one holy and eternal being. We are your spirits as they exist apart from a spell of matter. We do not evolve. We incarnate. Our intelligence is pre-existent, our identities, highly focused frequencies of starlight. You need us to be whole, just as we need you to fully enter the physical plane. We seek to awaken in your minds and hearts, to incarnate in your bodies. We are here to return your human circuitry to its creator. Yet your human egos are the guardians of this circuitry the stewards of your minds and hearts, and without your ego's cooperation, our bonding with you is impossible. You ego-ruled humans who feud and fight among yourselves do not seem to realize the obvious, the very values that you employ to determine your social behavior would, if employed by your body parts, effectively block any cooperative association of ribosomes, enzymes, mitochondria, and other little life forms from providing you with even a single coherent cell, to say nothing of a healthy and integral human body. Hundreds of thousands of little beings, all working voluntarily together to make a human body what it is. It is not a case of survival of the fittest, as your belief systems based on short-term observation proclaim. It is rather a case of flourishment of the most cooperative, as all long-term observation of the universe verifies. It is through cooperation with one another that diverse forms of life adapt and thrive. And it is only through the symbiotic cooperation of a multitude of simpler organisms that the more complex organisms, like your bodies, are able to come into existence at all. At critical stages in their development, life forms cooperate for their own advantage with other separate and distinct life, life forms. Over time, their cooperation results in union, a new organism comes into being. Again and again, this occurs in the formation of complex life forms. This is analogous to what is about to happen again as your late 20th century human world reaches the optimal moment for materially oriented, ego-ruled human beings to be joined by their spirit world counterparts. Your race is soon to experience widespread awakenings, or as some will see it, a massive descent of beings from the stars. We are the dreams of the Great Spirit, the true dreams, the clear dreams, the pure dreams, never tainted by fear, never touched by any motivation other than the motivation of love. And yet, we are dreams nevertheless. Thoughts. Disincarnate beings drifting formless through a universe that has placed the highest value on form, living in the consciousness of a creator Whose desire is to take you, is to take form in the very creature that will result from our bonding with you. Our spiritual intelligence is the missing dimension, the rejected aspect of your wholeness. For thousands of years, you have been afraid of us. Many of you are now learning that you have nothing to lose and everything to gain by establishing contact with us once again. It is only your ego that makes you fear. Your ego is here to look after your physical body, to make sure it gets enough to eat, to make sure it does not walk over the edge of a cliff or damage itself unknowingly. Your ego is the steward and potential master of all material plane fears, an important and necessary component of your identity. However, your ego was never meant to provide you with your primary sense of self. In a healthy state, the ego is a secondary component of identity. In a healthy state, the being behind all being, the self behind every self, the great spirit behind all of creation is experienced as your primary sense of self. Your ego does not have to be represented or transcended for this to happen. It does not have to die. It simply has to assume an appropriate relationship with the spirit that in truth you are the spirit that wants to incarnate and take up residence in your body, mind, heart, system. Your ego is by nature a reflection. It can either be a good, sharp, clear reflection, or it can try to be an independent reflection. Yet logic shows there is no such thing as an independent reflection. Your ego may create such an illusion, but if you believe in it, you will be troubled and unfulfilled. When your ego stops trying to do everything all by itself and invites eternal spirit into your consciousness, your historical illusion evaporates like mist on a sunny morning. A polarity reversal takes place in the charge of your human envelope. The field of consciousness around you changes. Instead of your ego dominating your sense of identity and blocking your awareness of the great spirit, an eternal sense of self awakens within you. You know yourself as a projection of the creator of all the stars in the sky. You know yourself as one of a family of God beings sharing God's being. You remember. Everything is seen differently. The world is perceived anew through the eyes of a universal awareness. Your ego becomes your working partner, and you commence the conscious creation of a new human reality we bring you an angelic awareness that historically has not been incarnate in human form we bring you an eternal continuity of consciousness that henceforth you might know yourselves as we know ourselves together in loving cooperation we join to provide spirit and matter with the optimal balance we are not here to dominate your ego but to secure its agreement that between us we might work together and ultimately as the years of this transition pass merge into a single biological spiritual and psychological entity an entity that in no way that shall in no way deny the needs and concerns of either ego or spirit but that shall in every way honor the fundamental design and purpose of both We understand love and how it seeks to become objectified in a material universe. Your human egos understand the mechanics of the physical plane. Together, we will form a single creative dyad, an entry point into which the Eternal One's universal creativity will pour and from there flow out to thoroughly transform these realms of matter. We are coming now to help you make the shift from unconscious creature worlds of biology to conscious co-creative biology. We are here to make this great time of change as gentle as possible. Our purpose is to blend with your race, to bring you into harmony with the creator and with the earth, to create a world that works for everyone, a world that allows for the optimal development of all creative potential. Many human beings are already consciously blending with us. Wherever human hearts are willing to honor the spirits of love, we descend, we incarnate, we complete the human creation. During the age when fear was enthroned as a god at the source of human motivation, our incarnations only rarely occurred. Most of us, your symbiotic counterparts, the missing pieces that are needed to make you fully human, flew to the gentler, non-physical realms of higher vibration, fluttering away as birds might fly, startled at the thrashing of some loud and ignorant creature, only now to return, to approach you again under more favorable conditions. But even during the darkest of times, those of one particular light circle, my own, would fly close, to influence, to inspire, to blend where we could, You have heard rumors of our presence, teachers, healers, wise ones here and there. Listen now, you of this present world, to the tale of one who once walked upon your plains. Well, unfortunately, I'm not going to be reading this tale, although it's my favorite chapter in this book, so I'll have to revisit and come back and do this another time. The next chapter is chapter five, White Buffalo Calf Woman, and this is... Wow. Just such a a beautiful story. And I hope you enjoyed it today. Such great words, such great lesson. I'm going to leave you with a song. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate you all more than you know. The song today that I chose is called Forgive featuring Luca Lesson and it is by Trevor Hall. Have a lovely day, everyone. Till next time. period. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out.
1: One that we seek Who is the one within we I don't fear I don't fear the answer But I know hope it has wings I can see a rest with the king Let it shine Let it shine me. Out of the mouth comes the water Out of the earth came a daughter All I hear All I hear is on the ceiling Let it rain down for a healing I know this I know this is ancient Well I love you and I mean it Hey little child can you feel it? Let it come Let it come Full circle I'm giving up on separation Now it's time that we face it All I hear All I hear is To forgive that has ever happened, life is everything we can imagine, laid out in patterns of pain and passion, you cannot control it, so keep your compassion, there are no accidents, and there are no factions, there is no us and them, nothing to borrow or lend, no enemy or friend and only forgiveness can make that happen, the only battle worth the fight, from the Rwandan genocide to the seven sisters forgiving Orion for how he chases them across the skies. of Forgiveness is forgiving, so give yourself this gift from time to time, and that all of your mistakes come all of your greatest gifts in disguise.